Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with ECS DNA Kit by Endo Canna Health. I did this years ago and it continues to empower me to get nerdy with my cannabis choices, which you know I like. If you've watched our Cannabis Legalization News podcast, did you know that right now you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com? That's E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com and use promo code POD25. That is P-O-D, the number two, the number five. Your purchase includes the EndoDNA Collection Kit. Endo decoded report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestion, endo aligned product matching in your state, suggested dosage guidelines, and optimum methods of administration. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a BOGO offer on their Afeka soft gels lineup. Since so many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afeka Unwind created to support healthy sleep cycles using a patented proprietary formula of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are made of this. So buy one, get one, my friend. You can shop online at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at checkout to save 25% on your DNA test kit. It's 2 p.m. on a Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for tuning in to Cannabis Legalization News, where we explain marijuana laws so you can change them. Today, we're joined by Morris Beagle. He's a hemp entrepreneur out of Colorado. We're going to be speaking with him in a few minutes. But first, we do have to get into a little bit of cannabis legalization news. So, Miggy and Tom, what's going on in the news this week? Made it to Wednesday. <laughs> hey, it's Christmas sweater we, uh, you know, season, I tell you. I'm wearing the Christmas sweater. And thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Cannabis Legalization News. The only news. It's about cannabis legalization. <laughs> so, did you see any good news out there for yourself, Miggy? Well, you know, I'm uh, kind of mentally on pause until uh, uh, Georgia, but I, I've seen, like, going to marijuana, marijuana moment, uh, Virginia's governor's budget funds marijuana expungements in preparation for legalization. So that's, Ooh, that's good news. Marijuana expungement funding in Virginia. That is fantastic. Virginia's like made such a kerfluffle about cannabis legalization without having a bill. And yeah. so like, they're like, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. I'm like, what are you going to do? Show us your bill. And uh, one of the pieces of news that's out of New Jersey, if you're here from New Jersey, thumbs up, subscribes, congratulations on legalizing it last uh, election season. New Jersey right now has some, uh, and I don't have this set up to share, but uh, I just got copies of the amended A, it's, it's A21 is the one that I have up. There's also its, its Senate uh, sister bill, I believe that is S21. Uh, it looks like they're adding some social equity language into it. Uh, regarding like if a municipality has been, you know, unduly harmed by the, the war on cannabis. So that's kind of cool. Stay tuned for more. And I hear there's going to be a vote in the, the New Jersey uh, cannabis bills tomorrow. I think that's the 17th. After this, after this, Arcview Group is actually doing a, a New Jersey webinar that I'm going to hit after this. I'm going to watch the webinar while I practice yoga because that's how you do it when you're a cannabis lawyer. Well, I mean, you have to for each state because each one has a different uh, animal going on. Did you hear the uh, the Fed announced a 350k grant to develop method to distinguish hemp and marijuana? Why don't you explain that 350 thousand uh, dollar grant on that? Well, I, yeah, this is semantics, but it's going through mist. But I, I, you know, same plant issue. Uh, I don't know if uh, here I'm going to share the link into uh, uh, the stream door. But again, 
Right. Everyone's arguing. We'll, we'll talk with the, our, our guests about this, but you know, some want to say it's the same plant, hemp and marijuana. You know, yeah. some want to say the cousins. You know, like it's two different. You know. Yeah, but I was going to stick around until the end of this show because we are going to get to the very bottom of the etymology of the word hemp and cannabis, and if there is a distinction between them, and if so, what? Hey, you know what hemp can be uh, uh, used for? Uh, hemp can be used for literally anything. Damn it, to make cars, but yeah. Literally anything. Oh, there was more news out of the Mexico. Uh, the Mexico telenovela of cannabis legal legalization news. And I say it's a telenovela because it's like, will they? Won't they? Will they? Won't they? And now again, it's delayed. So like as long as we've been doing this podcast, marijuana has been like almost legalized in Mexico and it just continues to get delayed. Yeah, it'll probably be a while, dude. I mean, the cartels are pretty powerful. They're just like the lobbyists are here. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of us are pretty powerful here because they like money. Lobbyists like money. Well, the politicians like money. It, that's uh, lobbyists like money. Well, like like, like Rand Paul, he just announced his uh, uh, files a bill to help uh, uh, the hemp industry, you know, change the THC limits and address other concerns. Yeah, again, Kentucky. But is Kentucky just the cheapest politician you can buy? Is this why they've been making all the ahead motions? I, mean, I don't know. Did you hear about Verano going public in Canada with a $3 billion valuation? Wow. No, but not surprised. Yeah. Verano, maker of some decent flour in the state of Illinois, including a mag land race, which has an Iranian, I believe, land race. It's quite nice. Uh, and so they are filing to go public through like some type of reverse merger where there's a shell corp in, in Canada and they'll buy that. Now everybody's talking about how Chicago pot is its hottest new sector, which is really a letdown considering like Chicago has not seen any new licenses in cannabis awarded by the state in five years, six years. I mean, so hopefully in 2021, we get some winners and losers and we can get into the second round of, of applications. So is there American-based companies going into a mar on, the, on the market in Canada? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. They use Canada to get listed on their stock exchange, and then they wait until they get listed on the American stock exchange down the road. So can I invest in that stock exchange? I, I know like there's some uh, stocks that you know you need to be a licensed trader whatever but then a credit also investor a lot of the yeah. investment in cannabis especially on the smaller end uh you know for those types of equities like if you're going to try to own your own shop then it's usually going to be accredited investors and exempt securities offerings and stuff but if you're going to try to like buy stocks you can you can go buy cresco i think you can buy Trulieve. i think you can buy harvest i think you can buy uh, uh gti and those stocks are traded over the counter, but then I think they're also traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange, the TSE. But as an American, how are my stocks not part of uh, smuggling, of the trade, of, of RICO charges? Like, how is that? I mean, essentially, owning a stock is owning a piece of that. Well, it's legal in Canada, so you own a Canadian stock. Canadian stock for an American company. But well, as American holdings, but like, you know, like if you buy uh, like a French stock and it has a factory in America, I mean, like the, the international ownership of equities and corporations are, are really, really complex. And so that's one of the reasons why the, the cannabis companies go up into Canada to get listed. But couldn't some asshole prosecutor come after somebody, though, if they were receiving financial 
no, not necessarily, not necessarily, because like, you know, the prosecutor has discretion and then they also have to have a case that they believe they can bring and win. And so it just and then also they need to have the funding. And so like if you're DOJ uh, and then the DEA wants you to go after these people that are following uh, state laws like Cresco or, or Verano, that's going to get listed on one of these exchanges. They're following the state laws. There's no money in the budget to actually go after there and police those crimes. So what are you going to do? But. Hopefully, this anti-cannabis activist wants Biden's nomination. That hopefully will not become a thing. So this is uh, from the Marijuana Moment reporting, uh, Tom Angel. Uh, let's see. Uh, today, December the 16th, an anti-cannabis activist wants to become somebody. It's former Repub uh, Representative Patrick Kennedy wants to become the White House drug czar. So please do not let Biden appoint, appoint uh, former Representative Patrick Kennedy to become the White House drug czar. But, you know, wasn't uh, Sabat served under Obama, right? Well, yeah, but that was like, he's one like, Patrick Kennedy's like one of Sabat's buddies or something like right. Sam. So like these guys are kind of, and Sam stands for Smart Approaches to Marijuana. It's one of the most ironically named organizations out there because it just essentially perpetuates the criminalization of the plant. But um, yeah, I really hope that... Uh, Joe Biden's drug czar is Bernie Sanders. That'd be great. Of course, Bernie oh Sanders. My God. He's in the Senate. He's not leaving. But, yeah. um, you know, it, Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong as the Department of uh, the DEA chief. Oh, my God. Chong for the DEA chief. That'd be the shit. I mean, after four years of the bullshit we've just seen, we, we, we've seen you can appoint anybody to anything that you want, right? Like the guy who was in Europe, he was just a, a big uh, investor. Uh, the, the European ambassador. So why not Tommy Chung? You know, why not somebody who has experience with drugs and knows yeah. like, I want somebody with personal knowledge of these drugs that they're going to be regulating. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, the, there's more legal shit dangerous to us than there is illegal. And, and it just ruins our American perception of right, wrong health, well-being. Um, right. Yeah. It's all bull. It's all just bull. But you know what? What's one of those things where, uh, Biden's appointing former Department of Agriculture head back to his job, Tom Vilsack. So hopefully the 2014 version of the hemp bill uh, and then the, the laws regarding the Delta 9 as opposed to the total THC will take better shape. Uh, Oregon actually pulled their hemp farm or their hemp licenses back so that they don't have to comply with the 2018 more onerous total THC standards to try to go back to the 2014 Delta 9 standards because those are just so much easier to hit, you know? If say ideal world, more act passes, how will this affect the hemp legalization? Well, that's an interesting one uh, simply because it, the you'd have two federal laws. And so if they're both descheduled, and so if all of cannabis is no longer a controlled substance, I don't think the DEA's purview is in regulation of it. And so then that's one of the reasons why I think the Act puts it over to ATF for everything that's over the 0.3 that would go over to ATF. But of course, what should actually happen is a genetic definition or something like that, where it's, you know, uh, if if the, the CBD to THC ratio is 20 to 1 or more, it shall be hemp. Yeah, a ratio is that I can see more. The ratio of cannabinoids, or the, the, the THC cannabinoid, then they can go after total. Of course, that'll kill the D8 industry, but, you know. I'm just saying percentage should not matter when it comes to whether this plant defines me having a good time 
or becoming paper? I'll tell you, man, all these hemp questions, there's a lot of them. It's something that we should probably bring the guest on and discuss. Yeah, let's bring Morris on. Hey, Morris, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Great conversation here. You're asking all kinds of good questions, and it's nice to hear. <laughs> Before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are and where uh, you are in the hemp industry? Well, I'm in Colorado right now in Fort Collins, which uh, Colorado is a big part of the hemp industry. We're definitely one of the leading states. We legalized growing industrial hemp in our 2012 Amendment 64 uh, adult use regulation or legislation. So we actually grew hemp here in Colorado in 2013 before the farm bill of 2014 which the language for that farm bill actually came from Colorado as well. It came from a guy named Mike Bowman, who then passed it on to Jared Polis, who Polis then got it into D.C. And then it is it became the kind of here's the opening of the hemp industry for states to start doing pilot programs. And mm. and here we are six years later and we've got another farm bill. And I heard you mentioning Oregon reverting back to 2014. We did the same thing because of the total THC. Yeah. And Complete. Now, yeah. Like, hey, you see where it says Delta nine here? Well, in our regulations, we're just going to ignore that. Yeah. And like, Hey, okay, great. I'm glad that we're going to just ignore the statute where it says this chemical. Well, that clearly meant that's this other chemical. Then why didn't they say that other chemical? Are we supposed to presume that Congress didn't know that that thing was a different chemical? Come on. Right. So anyway, just to kind of finish off here. So I started Colorado Hemp Company in 2012. Uh, after that, we started a hemp paper company in 2013 called Tree Free Hemp. And then we started NoCo Hemp Expo in 2014. And since then, I've got all these different hemp entities and hemp events and a hemp media platform called Let's Talk Hemp. And and now we're going to talk hemp and we can talk all things hemp. So whatever you guys want to talk about, uh, let's just go. What's the price of a, a liter of CBG right now? Well, that's a good question. I'm not exactly sure on that. You'll have to ask like a, a real cannabinoid guy. I'm more of an industrial guy. This stuff behind me right here, these guitar cabinets and guitars are all made out of industrial hemp that's grown, processed and manufactured in the United States. That's awesome. Are there different genetics? for the types of hemp that you're going to grow to make guitars uh, and, and other materials versus if you're, because there's some Oregonian hemp into this, this CBD medicated, um, well, it's a joint. Right, for sure. So yeah, generally we've got industrial hemp that we would think of in the traditional sense that's been grown for fiber applications like building houses and bioplastics and car parts and textiles and so forth. And also for this stuff behind me, and that can also grow the grain or the seed or the, the food nutritional part of it. And now with all the CBD hemp that's out there, for the most part, that's all kind of marijuana, bushy Christmas tree type stuff. Yeah. that's just been genetically or, you know, been bred down. So pull out, pull down that THC and bump up that CBD and, you know, CBG and whatever other minor cannabinoids are now becoming on the market, CBDN, but it's getting converted from CBD and CBC. And, you know, he's talked about Delta 8. All this stuff is coming out of the the legal hemp industry now, which I don't think was really 
thought about fully back in between the late 90s and 2012, 2013, when all this popped up. The CBD thing took over everything. And and now people think a hemp is what's right behind you in your picture there. Right. That's that's the thing. Those genetics didn't really exist. So if we go back to the Stanley brothers and stuff and, and Charlotte's Web, you're you're maybe like 2006. And of course, it was still like in a Colorado area. So the vast, vast, vast majority of people and the real distinction between hemp and marijuana was the the flower aspect of it. And so like hemp there or cannabis that was grown for the flower was very often called like cannabis indica or right. that wouldn't be. And that was the distinction. So like cannabis sativa would be those big, tall because those the crops that you grow that you can turn it into the industrial aspects like the the guitar cases and the stuff um is that grown like as a row crop and, and like grown really really tall or how do they grow the that type of hemp generally yeah so particularly stuff that's grown for textiles is uh is a taller hemp um some of the stuff that's grown for fiber or for grain that's a dual crop that comes out of canada they're shorter plants, but you can still take that stock material and use it for non-wovens, whether that be pulp for paper or biocomposites and plastics and that sort of thing. Um, but when it comes to textile grade hemp, that's typically all been tall row crop stuff that they do in, in Europe and stuff that they do in China. Um, but you, can, you can also get textile grade hemp out of the dual crop stuff. And there's people that are doing that here in the United States, but that's agriculture. And agriculture is really industrial hemp. And there are tri-crops coming out now that are having anywhere from three to 8% CBD. So you'll be able to get not only the the fiber and the grain, but whatever flower you can capture on a hundred or 500 acres. And if you can pull five, 6% CBD out of it, there's still value there. Yeah. Yeah, you could uh, you could cut that and throw it and into a, an extractor and get a little bit more money out of your plant. Which For is sure. Yeah. It's not smokable flour like you're seeing in Oregon or Colorado or a lot of these places that have got all these, you know, big fat buds with trichomes. And it's like, wow, you can't tell the difference between that and THC cannabis. Well, petroleum, too. You know, uh, is that the same thing uh, that's used for fuel? Uh, does it have to be special bread or either or what's that say that again so so cannabis can be or hemp i mean can also be used for petroleum you know the 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 original diesel engine was created with hemp uh uh diesel in mind hemp fuel right do you know that that's made from the grain okay so that's made from the seeds but then you can also make hemp ethanol from the stocks and so so there are people working on that technology as well yeah morris when you got involved in uh, i mean if First off, if, if we were legalization, we'd be a way ahead right now with the environment and everything, right? Like everything can be made of hemp. And uh, and when we say that, pretty much everything except for like windows and metal, right? But for, for, for like sure. electronics. Hemp or, is a super plant. It's a super fiber. It's a super ingredient. And you look around your apartment or your house, or your office, and it's like most everything that you see could have some sort of hemp component into it some sort of filler, some sort of ingredient. I mean, you look here, you got wood, you've got all this stuff that can be generally made out of hemp or a plant-based fibrous material. You got flax, you got canaf, you've got other fibrous plants out there that can also really offset the, the use of trees, the use of cotton, the use of petroleum, some of these other industries that have a much higher negative impact on our environment. 
yeah, I mean, hemp concrete, hemp four by fours. My my question being is, do you find that like a lot of people are in dismay when you talk about what you do, and you're like, look, this plant can pretty much like clean up our dumps and and, and put clothes on people and, and feed you, but what the, do you hear a lot like, well, if that's true, the government would make it legal? Yeah, well, I think the it's complicated the the story of prohibition going back to the 30s and even before that after alcohol prohibition was coming to an end it's like we're going to get prohibition with cannabis and i think the pharmaceutical industry had a tremendous amount to do with you know how cannabis really got prohibited all parts of it including industrial hemp there's you know was dupont and henry ford or not henry ford but uh What's the paper guy? Hearst. Hearst, yeah. I mean, how much were they really involved in, in getting hemp banned? You know, the industrialists were developing industry back then, and, and hemp was a competitive crop across the board, and cannabis as a whole. We know cannabis can do all these things. It can food you, it can feed you, it can heal you. Um, so, and going back to the question, is it all cannabis? It is all cannabis. It is one plant. Right. It can do all these different things. There's just thousands of varieties and can you make textiles and building materials and stuff out of high thc cannabis i think so yeah i mean i think that there is a lot of opportunity for r d and innovation into all that can be done with the biomass of the cannabis plant oh absolutely and we're just at the real real entrance of it i mean with and i was worried about the uh the USDA regs, how they came down with the total THC, because a lot of these other plants, like if you're growing them for these types of row crops, they still, and they have flowering tops. What do those flowering tops come in at? Are they, are they going to be compliant or will even those be hot? Right. Well, and that's where we're going to have to adjust this percentage of what identifies hemp. And you mentioned the Rand Paul bill that got introduced yesterday, the hemp act. And, there's like four components of that. One of them is raising THC from 0.3% to 1%, which the industry for the most part has been fighting for. There's some people, Europe, Canada, genetics people who base their business around creating genetics that stay below that 0.3%. And I get it. You've invested millions of dollars potentially in creating genetics that are compliant with government regulation. But that percentage is an arbitrary number that makes no scientific sense. It's like it's a ridiculous thing. And why do we want to criminalize farmers for uh, this arbitrary thing when and and make that that plant and that crop useless? And you can't even put it into commerce. It's just it's It's a loss. And so that sucks. I have clients that they're like, oh, crap, on a random sample draw, we come up hot. And I'm like, oh, damn it. And then like you see it and you try to do everything you can to get out from under it. But that line in the sand can just ruin a hemp farmer's crop. And then they have to destroy it. They have to till it under, they have to burn it or something. And the state regulator is not going to move on it because they don't want to, you know? Uh, And, and then you have that. I mean, so like those USDA regs that came out under the Trump administration were shit. And so now they, (laughs) <laughs> were were shit and and then the the DEA's piece was also come like and you know pardon yeah. my French that is that is French uh, that is actually English for merit but uh, same thing <laughs> I mean it was just terrible and then you see it and you're like are they just trying to shut this industry down because let's say you're going to try to row crop it 
do the row crops even come up hot? I mean, I don't know that because most people that are growing it are growing it for its its botanical, its oh. horticultural application of the CBD plant or the CBD oil that still has value. Yeah. Well, there's been plenty of row crop farmers in Colorado that have gone hot. You know, it goes up to 0.4, 0.5, And there should be this purgatory or remedial stage. Anyway, right. it shouldn't be regulated at the farmer. And that, that's what yes. this act does. It can be regulated downstream and processing manufacturing. By the time it gets to where it needs to go, if it's an ingestible product and it's going to be at Whole Foods or GNC or wherever it is, it's going to be below whatever that is, 0.3%, or even if it's 0% and it's everything else, then, then that's what it is. But the farmer shouldn't be punished. And right. then you should eliminate the seeds and the stocks completely. There yeah. shouldn't be, that stuff should be able to go into bioplastics, building materials, ammo bedding, any of that stuff. It should not have to be destroyed whatsoever. That's true. But then those those industries, those ancillary, they aren't ancillary industries. They're just applications of the industrial plant that aren't there yet. Still, there's like log jams and some extraction. And so you'll have farmers that are looking for processing. And now we have enough processing and people are just sitting on leaders. And so right. it's like, all right, well, we have leaders. We could sell this in Europe, right? I mean, like that, that case just came down. All right. Now, how do we figure out how to sell it in Europe? But then Europe has different numbers. So right. they have a point two. And well, so they're going up to point three. They just announced that. But if the U.S. goes to one percent and Mexico is going to be one percent and be the largest legal market in the world by the end of next year, theoretically, theoretically, until they delay it again. Yeah, exactly. But let's say let's anticipate that they go through with what they said. And by the end of next year, regulations will be in place and it will be fully legal and hemp will be legal and hemp is one percent um, from a global standpoint the we have to be at 1%. Everybody's going to need to move to 1%. Everybody's going to have to move past this THC is evil. Oh, yeah. yeah. To, yeah I mean, it's... We have, have to the eventually. 30s before we knew how this stuff even flipping worked. Exactly. So, like, that is the real... Imagine, like, we didn't know how the circulatory system worked, right? And we just didn't. Yeah. We didn't. And so we made something illegal. And then we find out how the circulatory system works. And we're like... Oh, so we should probably go fix that law. Then, you know, that was yeah. that was just our own prejudice. We didn't know what we were talking about. Right. Like cigarettes, like cigarettes. <laughs> I was like, we didn't know that they hurt lungs. But Morris, I like your 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 uh, term of a uh, regulated farmer because it's like saying regulate nature. It's like right. how can we like we're gonna you know sue rain for coming in hot? You know, like how how are we just you know? Can you imagine if hemp for victory if we would have kept in that course? Right, United States standardized this this everybody to grow for cotton and everything for everybody. We'd be arguing about strains and and, and maybe uh, uh, crossbreeding right now. Nothing right. else. It, it wouldn't be like putting people's livelihoods at stake because testing hot shouldn't. A lot of people put their life savings in this to try because right. there is a green rush. Well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't. They should be more circumspect than that. Please don't do that. But ideally, I've don't. Heard it. Yeah. They do. Right. But we shouldn't be regulating the farmers. We should be doing everything that we can to help farmers right now because right. our food system is screwed yes. and our agricultural system is is really screwed up and our soil and our environment. And if we don't change our agricultural practices, which hemp can help lead the way to better agricultural practices with corn and soy and all these big ag crops and towards organic and regenerative agriculture, 
away from factory farming because we have to take care of our soils to sequester carbon and to to get our you know to to try to do what we can to combat climate change literally i mean this is one of the biggest factors and and hemp and cannabis can be a big part of that especially from a conversational piece yeah yeah i don't like how there's they're so against the farmers and the regulation. This is like the only regulation where the farmer gets like a, a bad deal to a certain extent. Usually the farmers get like subsidies and they get benefits for, for being farmers. But in this instance, if you go over the line, this, this arbitrary made up line, you're, you're, you're told to destroy your crop, right? You could remediate the crop. Like you can sure. throw it into the extractor. Because as soon as you throw it into the extractor, the secret is you immediately have marijuana, according to that DEA IFR that came out that was just terrible. Everybody's but, illegal. Yeah, everybody's illegal. And so, um, and then what you get to do is you get to control the actual stuff that's in the extract and you could remove all the Delta 9 and then bada da ba. It's just, it's, it's, it's not the full spectrum extract, it's a broad spectrum CBD extract. Sure. No, no you're not allowed to do this. You have to destroy the whole crop. This is a huge loss on the farmer for no flipping reason. It's I'm ridiculous. At, I'm looking at the article that uh, we talked about earlier about the grant that separates to identify from hemp oh. and marijuana. Right. And I'm, I'm trying to think to myself, essentially, you're just looking for a percentage tester. I mean, that's, that's all you're looking for. You're not looking for any distinct gen- – genetically, you're not going to see it, I don't think, because it can no. still be stressed to a boy girl. Genetically, you see it on the uh, the COAs, and so like you get a cannabinoid report, and so like you just can't fake a twenty to one genetic. I mean, like the CBD pop is going to be like here, and the THC pop is going to be way down here. Right. Uh, the study, like the the tests that they're performing to get the actual levels of the cannabinoids, are accurate, and right. so th- that it's just point three percent, which of course was made up in the seventies for no good reason at all is just mind-bogglingly stupid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost as if the regulators were like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I think point three. No, 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 no. That's that, that only would have made sense. It's more like this. They come in, they're like, oh, God, we shouldn't have had those four rounds last night. Oh, what do we have today? Hemp. Oh, well, what did it say it was in the 70s? 0.3%. That's it. That's that. We're good. We're good. Break. Yeah. <laughs> seriously there's no thought press to any of this shit no there isn't in the end it should all be end use what is the end use if it's going in a adult use market you go get it over here it's regulated over here or medical use and if it's industrial or nutritional it's real simple mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's, 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 and we've tried to make it super complicated but it shouldn't be at all uh, Tom's pointed out before that easily take that hot plant knock it down to the extraction legal levels and add it to your creams or whatever the hell you're going to do with it. So forth. Yep. for sure. You can take out as much of the THC as you want to and make it whatever it needs to be. Extraction technology has come a long ways the last 10 years. Yes, it's, it's amazing how far we've come. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Right. And I think those applications will uh, get more robust, to be honest, as the, the labs on the plant, Currently, the labs have really been focused completely on the cannabinoids. Yeah. And so, like, that's where the money is. That's where you could sell it for 60 bucks an eighth, you know? Yeah. But uh, those labs could be thinking about, like, the cellulose, or they could be thinking about the grain aspect of it, or the building materials aspect, or, or 
whatever other aspect of the plant that you need to attack to turn it into some type of uh, industrial product. Right. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. It is. And it's, we're only going to continue to move forward slowly, but surely. I mean, progress has been incremental and I don't see that changing a whole lot for a while, but who knows? I mean, if Biden and Harris say, you know what, we're going to decriminalize. And, and then what does the more act do? Let's say that that would pass. You asked that question before, how does that impact hemp? Um, again, hemp is going to be at, you know, it's USDA. And then you've got FDA on the, the food and dietary supplement side. Um, but that's, that's, who's going to, that's who oversees hemp. Yeah, I think it, it also come down like, like you guys saying, like the farmer, right? The farmer's yeah. going to make whatever quality product they, they know. Then they're going to have to reach out and sell it to either the CBD guy or the concrete guy to, you know, for them to judge and say, what did I just make? What did I just grow? Because and eventually when you get better at what you are, you know, mm-hmm. you have good apple farmers, you have good, you know, there's going to be those guys, you know, sure. back to what I was saying about like with the, the hemp for victory stuff, you know, we would be inundated right now with products made from hemp. Our waste by now, if we would have kept on that path, would be down so much because hemp's biodegradable. Yeah, but like sure. the, the research wasn't there. And that's just something that we've always really harped on on the podcast for the past couple of years is that the costs are so astronomical for startups getting into this industry. And what really led this industry in hemp was the CBD kind of oil rush there. But now, as, as people would complain, like, you know, there was there was gaps, not in like the cultivation side, but in the processing. So like, you know, extraction and, and then in other supply sides, like if you're trying to make fiber or something like that. But the USDA on December 10th issued and, you know, in more cannabis legalization nude issued for hemp operators to apply for supply chain research grants of up to ten million dollars. The program from the USDA has. Uh, up to $150 million with grants ranging from $1 million to $10 million. So if you're a hemp farmer that's out there, and a lot of these hemp farmers, because there's some research applications to it, but up until, um, heck, 2019 crop year, I think, everything had to be like with this with this research bent from the 2014 farm bill, right? Right. Yeah. Huh. But, Morris, what made you get into hemp? Like, I really appreciate the fact that you're getting into the 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 product part of it the the wood part but you know like we said before tom says to get into like this industry where it's cheap to be in paper but if you want to get into hemp paper it's going to cost you more people are going to pay more to get your product so what I made know, you think this is it <laughs> yeah I'm just i mean i i bought hemp paper i'd buy hemp clothes but it's not something that it's in my every day just but what made you get into that so i've been a cannabis user since high school you know, for recreational purposes. And then I got into the music industry. I was in the music industry for 25 years. I'm still in the music industry to some degree and did a lot of CD and DVD manufacturing, packaging, concert promotion, artist management, product distribution. Um, And I moved back to Colorado in 1995. I actually hung out at a store that was in Fort Collins at the time called the Himper Wears No Clothes. And it was based on the Jack Hare books. So I read the Jack Hare book. Um, I had my own music production company at the time. And we actually ran some T-shirts and hats that were made out of hemp back then for some bands. But I wasn't really like a hempster guy until my music business kind of came crashing down in 2009, 2010, after the Internet really destroyed 
physical media with iTunes and well, first it was Napster and MP3 and then peer to peer file sharing that really took out C CDs and physical media. And, um, and then with all the cannabis stuff happening in Colorado with the medical push in 2008, 2009, 2010, and then the recreational push in 2012 that then included hemp. It was like, well, I was looking for a industry change anyway, because the music industry was like, you know what? I don't know what I want to do here. And then I thought about cannabis and then I saw the hemp thing. It's like, you know, we were doing hemp t-shirts before and, you know, maybe we'll get into start a hemp t-shirt company. So we started Colorado hemp company that started doing hemp t-shirts and hats. And we started working with a hemp shoe company and a hemp bag company and the bag companies out of Washington. They're called hemp mania. They've been there since like the mid nineties making backpacks and duffel bags and wallets and stuff like that. So and they're still in business. So there's were these textile companies out there that I found. And then I met more hempsters and got inspired to start doing shows. And I found a hemp paper company and I was already doing printing stuff. It's like, well, we can do everything out of hemp. And I just became a believer. And then now I'm a evangelist and promoter of the plant. That's fantastic. I can't wait for more promotions on the plant because I think that, you know, again, they hand out those research grants. They start to build the infrastructure the USDA and then um, uh, FDA and then DEA are all staffed by new, let's see how favorable they are, Democrats. Uh, four more years of rapid expansion and no, no stopping uh, the industry. That would be fantastic. Fantastic. Well, and so here in Colorado, we're fortunate that we've got Governor Jared Polis, who's one of the biggest supporters of cannabis across the board in the country from a political standpoint. And he's committed to making Colorado a very robust, not only cannabis adult use market, but a industrial hemp market too. So I think if Colorado can get all of our stuff together, it's not like we don't have problems like Kentucky or North Carolina or California, all states have their own issues with their hemp programs or their medical or recreational programs. But fortunately we've got good leadership here and a bunch of good stakeholders. And if we can convey all the positives correctly to the federal level, now that things are changing at that, at that level. And if by chance we could win a couple of Senate seats for Democrats out of Georgia and Ooh. control the Senate, um, what does cannabis look like the next four years? I mean, it could, yep significantly change. And you mentioned Tom Vilsack becoming the head of the USDA again, who is a pro-hemp guy, and he's actually got Colorado ties, and he's been very supportive of him. He's also a, a GMO Monsanto type guy that mm -hmm. needs to be called out on his BS. So Tom, if you see this by, the ch by chance, we got to take care of our soils. And hemp yep. can be a regenerative talking point to starting to to clean up our soils and make our farming system better so we don't destroy our planet. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm reporting pretty much from uh, Farm Central in central Illinois where, you know. Yeah. Uh, and the thing is, we have a very robust hemp program as well. And so we have some fairly decent uh, educational institutions in the middle of these cornfields. Uh, there are applications and, and things that are not yet even discovered that can be really, really beneficial for the, the agricultural industry in this area that might make it even more beneficial. But um, you just, these things take time and they also take vision and then they take capital expenditures so that you can make that, uh, that proprietary seed. And I think it's a good thing that, I mean, Monsanto's not great, but I think it's a great thing that 
uh, we're able to patent these types of seeds so that somebody like who invents the new uh, type of, of seed that's going to just be really, really good for making a specific type of fiber, they should be rewarded for that. I mean, they, right. they probably did a lot of research to get to that genetic, you know? For sure. I'm, I'm all for intellectual property to a certain degree. I mean, I'm also a, like an open source guy where what can we all individually contribute to society to make society a better place? And so humanity continue yeah. on for, you know, hundreds of years or thousands of years to come. And we don't end up destroying ourselves within the next 50 or 100 years. Right on. Yeah, I believe that they don't. There should almost be an implied right of license in a patent in the sense that it's like if they're if you're caught infringing, you're like, well, I mean, I've been trying to get a license out of this guy, but he keeps withholding. Right. And, and the reasonable value of the extraction of the information that I'm taking from him is X. Right. I can't wait until there's more hemp uh, containers around my actual marijuana, because I think that's the weirdest idiosyncrasy that we have going on right now when it comes to legalization. The fact that here in Washington State, containers are a requirement uh, for the packaging. And uh, uh, it's all plastic, all excess cardboard, you know, but if it was all hemp, it would be like almost zero uh, uh, footprint, you know, except for, of course, the electricity for the flower to be grown and all that shit. But I think we're, we're going to get there. We're going that way. There's, there's paper packaging coming. There is plastic biodegradable package packaging that's coming. It's not there yet. It's going to take some time to get there, but it is on the way. Yeah. Those research grants, these yeah, are companies sure. that perfect opportunity for a research grant right there. If you are trying to predict your or perfect your technology to get those types of plastic products uh, really, really amped up so that you can compete. And, and I mean, I can't wait till we live in a world where the, the grocery store bags hemp, you know, they're going to be there for about three months. They're going to do their job and then poof. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's not just plant-based materials. We can move to a bio-based economy rather than a petroleum-based economy. Exactly. And part of that petroleum, though, will be hemp. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we we have so much more. We'd be ahead of the game right now in our pollution. You know, the the fact that it took a pandemic, everybody stays home. Pollution goes down, what, 10% or whatever. No. Come on. You can't tell me we're not we're not making this we're part of the problem and oh, be part of the answer we got to change what we're doing man hemp can save the world but i think that's the problem you got people like us who are just going to go hemp can save the world i want to be on stage and then you tell people look it'll it'll take all the poisons out of the, out of the ground you know and, and rejuvenate the soil so you can grow a new crop or something else yeah. no nah, get the fuck out of here if, if that were to happen then the government would make it legal well, look, then it's also got components of medicine in there that can help you for your wellness. No, no, get that out of here. It's got to be toxic. And you can use it to make clothes, sales, uh, uh, fuel uh, vehicles, and, uh, um, you know, hard plastics. Hell, Henry Ford made a car out of hemp. So and fueled it. <laughs> but no, because it's an evil plant, the government has to have this thing illegal for a reason. There has to be prohibition. There's got to be a Kevin Sabata. What the fuck is going on with our world, man? That's all I got to say. We're going to end prohibition. It's coming. Oh, yeah. It is. But then, like, I, I after going through the prohibition window, uh, and then for the people that are joining us in, in Jersey and other states that are going to be going legal here in a couple of weeks, give us a thumbs up and don't forget to tune in because we'll be celebrating 10,000 subscribers on here, hopefully for Christmas. 
And then we'll be talking about all the new uh, types of laws that are coming in. And you'll notice in your first year, sure, it's legal. You feel like way more free. The supply is not all that great. But then after it's been legal for a year, then you're like, oh, they screwed all these other things up. We have to change all these things about it being legal. So you just start to get into the regulation industry. I mean, and it's it's better. Don't get me wrong. But I could see this regulation aspect of it even past the MORE Act or it being taken out of Schedule 1. That's going to be another five, six, eight, ten years of grinding it out until it gets really, really nice. For sure. It's going to take a while. People have to be patient. Yeah. But there'll be less prisoners and less people getting fucked with. Yeah. Get oh. everybody out of jail. Everybody needs to be expunged that, you know, unless they killed somebody during the process or whatever the situation is. But for the most part, expunge all the cannabis crimes. Well, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, because like think about all the enhancements that were used because they will use and I don't practice criminal law. But very often I've heard from criminal practitioners that uh, they use like penalty enhancements and they'll stack charges to so that they might have thrown those cannabis charges in there to give you more weight. And that might have like changed it or changed the game of whatever they could throw that book at you, you know, right. So get rid of all of those enhancement penalties that were from the cannabis. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely, man. Morris, thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we go to find you, follow you, listen to your podcasts? Uh, go to let's talk hemp.com and morrisbeagle.com and at Morris Beagle on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on again. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you like and subscribe to keep up with all cannabis legalization news. We'll see you on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thanks.